Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football with Dan Weber, writer and columnist for uscfootball.com. we got a lot of questions to get to. If you have any questions or comments for us, we always love to hear from you. We appreciate everyone sending in those comments and questions and keeping it interactive. We like to make the show inter- as interactive as possible. Our email address is podcast at uscfootball.com. Dot com And then our, our phone number, which you can call, leave a voicemail, try to keep it brief, or text us. You can even text us from your phone. 424-254-9141 is the number. Now, if you want to subscribe, we do appreciate that too. Go to iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. If you're on iTunes, uh, a lot of podcasting apps use the iTunes. You can just search Peristyle Podcast, but we're also on Audio Boom, where the show is hosted, Google Play. Uh, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio. And if there's some place where we don't have the show, just let us know and we will make sure to get listed on that as well. And uh, we're going to talk to Dan Weber today about what's been going on at USC football practice. Dan, welcome to the show and how you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Getting ready to head to the Coliseum. Uh, first uh, first chance. Uh, Clay really, uh, it's important with him, I think, the to get the young guys to the Coliseum. So they're actually going to get to the Coliseum twice this week. So uh, a good introduction uh, to the Coliseum for these guys this, uh, this week. Yeah, it should be good. Looking forward to that. I've actually been to a practice for a little while. I was planning on going uh, yesterday. We had Keely Ewer in, uh, in studio okay. with us. She did a podcast with us, and she was telling me, you know, it's probably going to be a really short practice, and no one's available even though you haven't been for a while, you might as well just stay at home. And I was like, you know what? I got a lot of work I can catch up on. So I did that. Sounds like it was the right choice because it didn't seem like it was a great practice yesterday. Yeah. I, I thought it was one of the better quotes we've ever gotten out of the media was, uh, I should have gone to Costco with <laughs> one of the, uh, was one of the comments. So, uh, and, uh, and then was uh, followed up by maybe I can still get there. So, uh, yeah, it was one of those days. I mean, you, you gotta do that. You gotta, you know, do a lot of situational things and, you know, uh, change the clock. And if this happens, well, we're gonna try to do this. And, uh, you know, the stuff, it, it may not ever happen. But, uh, they went over everything yesterday. I mean, goodness gracious. I don't, I think, I, I don't know what they didn't go over. The problem was they went over it at the other end of the, of Howard Jones Field. So far away from us, we had no idea what they were doing. And mostly they were standing around talking about it. So uh, it wasn't one of those moments where you said, boy, I wish I were there. Uh, no, not exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't feel so bad. Got a lot of stuff done. Um, hey, I want to let people know, too, we started a, before we jump in here, um, a couple of things. I want to talk about our sponsor, but um, we uh, started a promotion at uscfootball.com. Uh, so it ends on Wednesday night at midnight. And if you are not a subscriber, you can sign up and get three months free. So four months for the price of one, you pay $9.95 for one month and they'll add three months free on for you. So it's a really good deal. You get most of the season for 10 bucks. It's pretty cool. If you're a current subscriber and you want to upgrade to annual, you can get three months free added to your subscription as well. And if you're a current annual, if you want to renew, um, uh, early, you can add, get three months free. So everyone can get three months free if you're a subscriber or not. So it's kind of a cool deal. Check it out. We have it, uh, on the front page of uscfootball.com. Or if you have any questions, just email me, uh, ryan at uscfootball.com and I will be able to help you out. But it's a great deal. You, uh, we did really well yesterday. A whole bunch of people signed up. So welcome to the new people. And if you haven't, why haven't you? Go check it out. And then, uh, Dan, I want to talk about our sponsor again. It's been Trader Joe's. They've been really good to us, uh, the past couple of months and now there's a brand new Trader Joe's location. It's been 50 years now this month and they opened a new one at the USC Village. So I plan on going to check it out and we might even do, Dan, I think we should do like a little podcast or something from in front of there 
uh, the new Trader Joe's location. So I think that would be cool. Um, but yeah, I've seen pictures and it looks amazing over there. I think, you know, for USC students to have a Trader Joe's like in walking distance, uh, should be awesome. So I can't wait to go check out the USC village and the new Trader Joe's, but make sure you go check it out. Uh, tailgating stuff. It's going to be a great place to pick up, uh, you know, meats and cheeses and snacks. And of course, uh, beer and wine. If you're going to go over to campus and, uh, and do some tailgating before any of the games, of course, three home games during the month of September. Uh, I love the wine selection, love the beer selection. Um, and you know, they got, they got regular stuff too. You can get your, your eggs, milk, bread, cheese, things like that. But a lot of cool stuff that you can make at home, uh, meals you can kind of warm up and, uh, and, and get some good food. So it's a uh, really good stuff. Uh, try the mandarin orange chicken. That's good. I like a lot of the snacks. Anything chocolate covered. They got a lot of that. I really like that as well, but good stuff. I can't, have, I don't know if you've been over there, Dan, yet, but I can't wait to go to USC village to go check it out. No, I saw the photo uh, and uh, yesterday, and I thought, okay, I have to go in early. So tomorrow, that's where I'm heading uh, before practice. I'm heading uh, heading to University Village and, and going to check it out. I mean, it's just a spectacular place. Uh, uh, I just just can't wait to see. Uh, I mean, how great that is if you're a student, and you know, it's right there. I mean, that's just you don't have to, you know, cross the street. I mean, it's just. It's just a great. I haven't seen anything like. That. I mean, I think I've been to. I think the last time, I think I've been to over 300 colleges doing sports, and I don't. You know, in 49 states, I don't think I've seen anything quite like University Village. I mean, I just think there's nothing to compare it to. It's it's one of a kind, and uh, so if I'm uh, coming back to campus, if I'm uh, an alum out there. Uh, Give yourself some time to go to University Village. Just walk through it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I think I'll go check it out tomorrow as well. Since today's practice is in the Coliseum, it'll be harder to, to kind of get over there, but go check it out. It's come a long way since uh, when I was in school, they had the, the three, two market over there where there was like dusty shelves. <laughs> it was pretty bad. And now you can go like this fancy Trader Joe's and uh, get some snacks and bring back to your dorm. Life is good. Yeah. Life is pretty good. Hey, uh, speaking of dorms and uh, freshmen are moving in. So um, if you're a USC, we're actually going to look for some a couple of student volunteers if you're moving in to um, campus to do a few handouts and stuff and kind of help us with site promotion. So if you are a student, you're just moving in. If you're a freshman or you know, you've been there for a while, uh, email me, ryan at uscfootball.com if you're interested in, in doing some stuff with us. I'd like, uh, yeah, let me hear from you. I, now that I, I just forgot about that, forgot to mention that, but. Uh, that's our public service announcements, I guess, for the beginning of the show. And uh, now we can talk about football, Dan. Okay. And uh, we should probably jump in to the questions. We, you talked about the, the practice from yesterday. Um, should be should be better practices starting today in the Coliseum and going forward. But let's get to some of the questions, and we'll talk about these topics. And uh, our buddy Tarek, we'll start off with him since he's always good sending us questions. He said, uh, with Michael Pittman having a very good camp, uh, why have they not tried him opposite of Tyler Vaughn's? That's a good question, and I don't think we've got a really good answer. Uh, you know, in terms of of the personnel groupings, I think they really wanted to give uh, you know Jalen Green, and Stephen Mitchell their chance. The you know hardworking upperclassmen who've you know been there for this program all you know the all these years and done whatever whatever they've been asked and. Uh, so I, I just think they've, they've kind of run out of combinations, uh, you know, with the first group. But it is an interesting question. I mean, I think, I know I asked him about, you know, Tyler Vaughn's the other day, and Clay said, look, if we were playing, he's going to be running with the first team. He has to. Okay? I don't know if that, you know, also maybe applies to Michael Pittman to give you that, you know, bigger than Darius Rogers. Or Juju, possession, uh, tough guy, physical receiver, but uh, uh, I would be I would be surprised if we don't see you know him paired up in there with the first group uh, as we go along. Still three weeks, you know, first game, so so we'll see. But I, I do think they really wanted to give every opportunity to to Jalen Green, Stephen Mitchell, and see uh, see how that works. 
Yeah, we'll see. It's uh, it didn't sound like when I, we had Keely on yesterday, and I you know watched your instant analysis from practice. It didn't sound like it was a great day for the receivers, and Tyler Vaughn's was moved to the second team, but he still looked good apparently. He looked really good. Yeah, Deontay Burnett was battling you know, those two, and uh, it just sort of bruised, banged up a little bit ankles. Uh, he didn't have you know the tape all over his shoes and that yesterday. I just think it was something that took him a little bit of time, and he he wasn't himself Saturday. I think they need Deontay to be Deontay to set the tone and and to force you to be aware of him, you know, at all times. And I think that that will help with the other guys. And they didn't do things like uh, they didn't set up the deep ball with the run, uh, things like that they're going to do in games. I mean, they you know they ran plays, they didn't exactly run their offense. And the defense really came after him. That's obvious. The defense knows, you know, a lot of what they're doing. And, uh, and they're really, really ready to play. And so I think they hit a, they hit kind of an advantage the other day. But I think, to be honest, Sam needs to be playing in games. Sam is a gamer. And, uh, when you're running plays in practice, it's just not the same thing as we saw last year. Uh, you know, in the run up to the season in the first few games, uh, Sam kind of needs, uh, you know, the game to start, and then he's Sam. Yeah, that's kind of, uh, I mean, I guess that's good and bad, right? But you'd rather have a, a good game player than a, a good practice player. <laughs> right, yeah, I just think, I don't think you can replicate the situation in games in practice for Sam. Sam exists in a different place than, than most guys, and so... Uh, you're still, you're not going to let them hit the quarterback. Uh, you know, in, in games they're allowed to, they, they usually can't, but, uh, it has a different tempo, a different feel when it's a, it's live action in a game than in, in practice. It's just, it's just not the same thing, uh, with a guy like Sam. And so, uh, I think USC fans will take the, uh, take that exchange that he's there for the games and, and see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a trade-off you'd not not wouldn't be a bad one. Um, okay, Dan, a lot of kicker talk still. We had Raphael who says, "How's it going, fellas? I'll keep this simple. How worried should we be with the field goal kicking situation?" And then Stephen Poway said, "Is it too late to pick up a grad transfer who can kick field goals?" And then he put in parentheses, "Seriously, all this talk by Clay Helton after the last scrimmage about going for it on fourth and long." Within the red zone has former FSU quarter, uh, coach Bobby Bowden, Bobby Bowden scratching his head. Fight on, Steve and Poway. Well, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion right now that not to worry about field goal kicking because the way things are going now, they're not going to be kicking. <laughs> they're not going to be kicking any field goals. <laughs> it's going to, when they get into the four down zone, it's really going to be four downs. Uh, and, uh, you know, that, that may, there may be a, an upside to that, you know, where you don't settle for three points. And you, you know, going in, we're going to go for it. The other team knows you're going to go for it. And with Sam, you really got a shot. And so, so I think at that, at this point, I think, you know, I know people say, oh, they got to work harder out. They got to work. I don't think that's the problem. It's kind of a psychological, it's a mental kind of a thing right now. Uh, it just isn't working together. The snap, I mean, you lose a four-year perfect snapper. Zach Smith didn't have a snap off offline in four years. I mean, that's unbelievable. And then, uh, luckily, they've got Wyatt Smith, who really does the best he can, but the snaps haven't been quite where you'd like them. And, uh, neither field goal kicker seems to have, uh, the ability to consistently hit the ball in the same place or with the same swing. And you, you need to replicate your swing. It's got to be like golf. And, uh, that hasn't been happening. So they need to, you know, probably get away from it a little bit. Uh, I mean, the other day when they were three for nine between the two kickers, the more they missed, the quieter practice got and it was one of those you know where it's a downer and people kind of wanted to start looking away and uh so i think they need to probably at this point de-emphasize it relax i mean they both have 
strong enough legs. Uh, I mean, the other day, I, when they were three for nine, they hit a couple of short ones, and then a 50-yarder. You know, everything in between, like the 30 to the 50, they missed. So, uh, and both of them are kicking the ball off into the end zone, which is good news. I thought last year when they could kick it into the end zone, that was a real plus when Bormeister, you know, steps in there and, and all of a sudden you realize that. So that's a plus. Um, I don't have any solutions for, for what's going to have to happen. I just think it's going to have to slowly, uh, slowly develop. They seem like really, you know, good kids and serious kids and they want to be good and it's just not happening for them right now. But, uh, I wouldn't spend a lot of time worrying about it. Just, you know, score a touchdown instead. Yeah, that makes <laughs> Don't go for three. Go for six and then uh, go from there. All right. Uh, yep. Let's see. We got moving on. Uh, let's go to Paul in Santa Clarita. He said last year after a scramble, Sam Donald would allow himself to be tackled or he would do an awkward dive into the ground. Are they working on a safer baseball slide for this year? Thanks from Paul. You know, we don't see that. I mean, one reason is they don't tackle in practice. That's, you know, when you try to do all the situations and the situational stuff, that's something most teams haven't figured out. How do we replicate what's exactly going to happen in the game? Or if you do that, I mean, I, as a baseball coach, I used to remember you talk about practicing sliding, but then you realize your kids have just as good a chance of getting hurt practicing sliding is they use sliding in the game. Or maybe they won't have to make that slide in the game and they won't get hurt. It's a real, so if you went out there and said, let's practice sliding today, Sam, you're liable to get, he'll liable to get hurt practicing sliding. So, uh, you just kind of, I think some of those things you have to trust the judgment and the athleticism. And I think Sam's judgment and athleticism is, uh, is in a different place this year. I also think, he may be running the ball a little more. Uh, I just think his, his judgment is, is in his own mind. Uh, I think he knows now when he absolutely, uh, you know, when they drop off on everybody, he's beaten, uh, he's beaten the rush. I think you're going to see him, uh, you know, take the, the sure yards and, and, and do the slide. I also think they're going to run some plays. Where he's, uh, not necessarily designated, but he will be clearly, uh, uh, you know, enabled to, to, you know, keep the ball if, uh, if they come down on the, uh, on the running back on the handoff and, uh, and, and take the yards. If, if he sees that end coming down, uh, and sees, you know, some, an opening where the linebacker isn't, you know, hasn't filled in properly, I think he's going to take, take that play. Uh, and, uh, so, I think there will be more of Sam running the ball, uh, which will mean probably more sliding, but I don't think we're going to see much of that in practice. It's just uh, the odds are not necessarily in your favor if you go practice that a lot. One of the things yesterday, Dan, um, that came out of practice, there wasn't much, like you said, but we saw, I think, a little bit of uh, some more stability on the offensive line, which people have been asking about for a while. Uh, Reggie in Seattle wrote in, so we'll get your thoughts on the offensive, offensive line. He said, uh, he has a question about the backup center position. If the idea is to have a true backup at that position, why not have the guy who doesn't start sit? Why risk injury to your backup by starting him at another position? I get the need to have a backup, but if you have a back, if your backup is a starting left tackle and he gets hurt, where would that leave the team? I prefer to have a backup sit and be fresh and ready in the event they need him. I think you could also play some spot duty at center in some games to keep them both sharp. Thoughts on that? That's from Reggie in Seattle. Yeah, Reggie. I mean, that's a really interesting thought. But imagine if you're uh, either Nika or Toa and you've invested this much into the program. And let's say you are uh, one of the best five, which they said, you know, a thousand times we're going to start the best five. I don't know that you can ask that kid to sit as an insurance policy. I think you can ask them to be an insurance policy in practice, for example, in the spring and summer and now uh, and fall camp. 
by switching off and going three plays and two plays. Uh, but I don't know that you can ask them to sit out. Uh, I mean, you know, their future is at stake. You know, these are guys that want to play in the NFL, and you're not helping them get to the NFL uh, by sit, sitting them. And that might be one of those places where, you know, the team goals probably shouldn't supersede uh, what an individual's opportunity is. I, I think it's a really good idea to do it the way they've done it, but I think you do have to roll the dice a little bit, and and you can't ask if if either one of them is in that you know best five man group, and your best five man line includes both of them, which it would certainly look like that would be the case. I don't know that you can set one of them out as an insurance policy. I just, I just you know, interesting thought. I just. I don't think you can do it. I agree. I think it's uh, tough there. What do you What do you think about how it settled in? I kind of that's where I felt what happened is Nico Fall ends up at center, but is this is this what you thought? And do you think it's uh, yeah? A good he thing? looks he looks more natural. He looks more like a natural center. Uh, I mean, that just seems to be the natural fit for him. He doesn't look as natural a tackle as Toa. Toa looks like you know. I mean, now the thing with Toa, we've seen him at center guard and tackle. So with Toa, he looks at home you know, wherever you put him. Also, Toa's got a red shirt year. So if, uh, and if, if I'm going, you know, looking at the NFL for Toa, he looks like a center in the NFL. Size-wise, uh, he certainly looks like a center. Um, and so he would have the ability to play there next year if you really need to have him, you know, have a senior year at, a, at center and, get, and have them get a chance to look at him as a center. So, so I think it could work out for both, for both guys, but it does seem to be the way I would probably go. Again, I, we don't get to see the film. We don't get to see the cut up from practice and all that. Uh, but, uh, it, it just seems like the way it probably should go with, uh, Nico at center and Toa at left tackle. All right. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Eric from Virginia Beach said, I was hoping to find out if Dan had gotten any additional feedback from Coach Helton or more specifically from Sam Darnold on how film sessions are going with the virtual reality 360 degree recording system being used during practice. It's becoming a training tool that is proving to be valuable and are other players using it as well? Thanks and fight on, Eric. Eric, I don't think it's much of a factor for Sam. I think Sam basically, uh, gets the, all the uh, reps that he needs in practice. And I think, you know, as good as virtual reality could be, live reps are better, uh, far better. And if you get enough live reps, I think where virtual reality helps out is uh, for a Jack Sears or a Matt Fink, maybe don't get as many live reps, uh, want to see as much as they can see, you know, with where everybody is, uh, where the receivers end up, where the rush comes where the pressure is, all of that, I think it, it helps those guys more. I'm not convinced that if you're doing it right in practice, that it's something that the uh, your starting quarterback uh, uh, needs to, to do. I mean, if there are situations where you need to get a guy up to speed quickly, you know, or replacement injury, that kind of thing, maybe. Uh, but during the season, I think, I think the live reps really get the job done. I'm not sure... How it works, for example, if the uh, uh, middle linebacker gets live reps, uh, if the uh, middle linebacker gets the uh, virtual reality reps, where he gets a chance to see where everybody's coming from, or do the running backs. Uh, I know they've talked about doing that some, and they're certainly uh, shooting it in ways in which, the, the, say, the running backs or the uh, middle linebackers, people like that, could benefit from it. But, uh, but we haven't gotten much feedback about there's other positions, but I think right now the focus is on the uh, on the backup quarterbacks uh, really benefiting, uh, you know, from that. I'm not. I don't think the focus is on Sam. Okay, let's go to our friend Bear Secutor. He said, "Dan, uh, please pay attention to how Dominic Davis and Jacob Daniel are progressing, and let us know if these guys can make a contribution on the other side of the ball this season. That would be big pluses." I know it also, this phenomenon is an important bellwether from the sanctioned years where our best athletes were not getting on the field because they refused to switch positions, especially offense and defense. The fact that both these players volunteered to do this suggests 
we will see subtle improvements regarding depth, uh, competition, team discipline, player attitude, and work effort, and putting team first. It's so much easier to feel the competitive team when you have sufficient players for real competition and depth, and the coaches can always get the players' attention. Thus, I have no doubt that Clay Helton will, and now can, stay the course. Would you agree, if John Baxter can just find someone to kick field goals, the sky's the limit this year. Bear secuter. Yeah, I think that is a really good observation, Bear. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, they're still three deep in terms of scrimmage. I mean, they've got a legitimate, you know, first, second, and third units on both offense and defense going against one another. I know Clay mentioned yesterday, you know, he said, I, you know, the thing, asking about the offensive line, the thing is, you know, we got a lot of depth. We got guys, you know, on our second group that, that could start for a lot of teams in the, uh, in the Pac-12. And even, you know, some of the third team guys. So they're, I mean, with this, obviously, with this freshman class and, 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 and with their, you know, skill set and size and, and all of that. But I think you make a good point there, too, with um, the willingness of, of a Jacob Daniels to make the switch or, uh, or Dominic Davis and coming to them and saying, you know, where can I, you know, move up on the, on the depth chart? Where can I contribute more? And uh, Jacob Daniel has looked kind of like a natural at that offensive guard spot. So, uh, I mean, he's, you know, given somebody to, to back up Vianney. And uh, I think that's a real plus. He just, he does look like, I mean, he looks like Jordan Simmons did. And poor Jordan never got healthy enough, although we're hearing really good things about him in the NFL uh, this summer. Uh, but he's kind of that, that look, certainly big enough, certainly strong enough, and seems to be happy with the switch. So I think that's been a good good thing. I know, you know, Dominic is just kind of feeling his way out there, but he's certainly got the speed. Uh, and if he really gets a sense of, of comfort level, uh, you know, this year, next year, he could contribute. Uh, but I think that's a hard switch. That's a tough, tough switch to, to be the guy where you're mimicking, you know, the guy you're defending, where you're not making the call. I, mean, I thought it was hard for Adoree to do that, uh, playing both offense and defense. So I don't think it's an easy – it looked like it's an easier switch probably for Jacob than it is for uh, – for Dominic, but I think it's a good indication of, of, of again where these where these kids are. Uh, this this team has a good feel about it, you know that it's not about it's not a me 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 sort of a team that that they're really invested in the team. And 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 you you're right to pick out those two guys as upperclassmen. You know could have been unhappy, could have been this or that, and chose to say you know what can I do to you know make this team better, and what can I do to you know make myself better. So. Uh, uh, good examples, and, 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 and that's a good observation, I think, very much so. Let's go to Trojan Rick. He said, last week during Dad's, Dad's podcast, he commented about the John McKay days and how reporters met with him at Julie's to ask questions and gather their info. Uh, it says, that was when, oh, that was when I was in school. So that's when uh, Rick was in school. A reporter's life certainly seemed to be simpler and easier in those days. Can all of you share what your days are like covering USC football during the season from fall camp through National Signing Day? He mentioned how late your days seem to uh, end, attending practices, interviewing players and coaches, editing video and writing articles, especially with night games. All of you do a fantastic job. It makes it feel like Christmas each morning. I wake up in Maryland being able to watch and read all about the previous day's activities. I'm amazed that even during our non-football season, in quotes, it was... uh if there really is one, you still manage to come up with interesting material regarding football and, of course, covering all the other sports. My wife and I are coming out to L.A. to attend the Stanford game. Hopefully, we'll finally be able to meet. So I can thank you in person for all that your team does. I ran into Dan in New York City for the Syracuse game, but did not stop to say hello out of respect for his privacy. Forever a Trojan, uh, Rick. Hey, Rick. Uh, uh, you uh, always stop and say hello. That's, uh, that's as much fun as there is... Uh especially on road trips to get to meet people. And, and, uh, I love, love to talk, uh, love to talk USC football. Uh, thanks so much, uh, you know, for the, for the kind words. Uh, uh, you know, I just, uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to think the best way to, to kind of talk about, uh, I'm, I'm so taken by Rick's compliment that, uh, uh, we were talking yesterday. It was funny. Yesterday we were talking about the media covering USC when we got into the, 
uh, uh, hypothetical MMA uh, con, you know, brackets between uh, college coaches today. And I was thinking, uh, in the days of John McKay, I don't know, how did they have time to go over to Julie's after practice and hang out with John McKay? You know, and, and everybody knocking down Colwins and he's writing plays on napkins and stuff like that. I just, even if uh, the coaches would want to do that today, you'd have trouble figuring, fitting that into either their schedule or our schedule on a daily basis. I mean, it's just, the world has so changed. Uh, plus, I would think there might be a situation if John McKay were sitting around with our media uh, after, in a like a booth at a, at a, at a place like Julie's, there might be some murders uh, <laughs> occur in the booth. I mean, there might, uh, I just don't think you could, you could do that, uh, today, to be honest. Uh, it's just, it's such a different world. It's just, it's hard to even come up with a scenario where how you would, how you would do that. Uh, I mean, I just, I can't even imagine there are, literally, there are, are things written that if John McKay were the coach and they were guys sitting in the same booth, there would be, um, you'd have to call the police. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it does seem like almost science fiction trying to figure out what if John McKay were still coaching them and what if we were still, you know, having that situation where we hung out with the coach after practice. It's just, it's just probably not, it's all, it, you just can't even imagine it, to yeah. be honest. But, uh, it's such a different world. It is. And, uh, Rick, thanks for all the kind words. And like Dan said, don't yeah. ever be afraid to, uh, you know, approach us. Uh, sometimes like we're right in the middle of something and we're, you know, if we can't talk, but you know, yeah, if you see us walking around, come say hello. It happens a lot. We do appreciate it. It's always kind of fun. Uh, hope you enjoy your trip out from Maryland. I was just, uh, we went to Annapolis with my sister who lives in, uh, Alexandria. We went to Chicken Ruth's, which is like a great, uh, crab cake place and stuff over there so i don't know if you're familiar but it was cool but it was uh it, i don't know if you remember um dan I, I think i talked about this on the podcast so andy ferrillo is uh he's a member of our site a message board you know on our message board he's been with us for years and he's a columnist up in uh sacramento and his dad bud ferrillo is a, a legendary legendary la sports writer and uh so there's a, a great memoir that uh Andy wrote about his dad or kind of took over like his dad was writing stuff and then uh unfortunately passed away and, and Andy took it over and put the book out. It's called The Steamer and uh it's a really good book. And I mean the stuff that was going on then, you know, there's I think there's different rules too and what's accepted and what's not, but there was a lot of places where uh the steamer, you know, Bud was like cross <laughs> crossing the line and there was a lot of drinking with players and coaches and uh, I just think that's how business was uh, done a lot of the times. But it's to be it, honest, I'm not sure there was a line. Yeah. that's the difference. <laughs> there was no line to cross. I mean, and you keep hearing these stories, and I just missed out on them. But the uh, the Skyriders tour, where each conference would would you know rent. I mean, they charter a plane and they'd go to every school in the conference. And the stories uh, that come out of those, uh, what those must have been like. I can't even imagine, uh, you know, a plane full of, uh, you know, sports riders heading all over the, you know, SEC or the Big Ten or the, you know, the, the Pac-12 and whatever it was, Pac-8 in those days. Um, that would have been, uh, I can't even imagine. I just, it's just hard to, hard to picture how different that was and how in some ways, you know, more interesting because they did have time to get their stories in. And those things wouldn't appear till the next day. There was no social media. There was no immediacy. I mean, you know, in, in some ways, we have much more access and, and, and immediacy. But in other ways, we don't have the same kind of access. Now, I don't know if you'd want that access because you'd have to make so many different calls during the course of a day. Can I write that? Can I write that? Can I write this? What do I say? How do I say this? You know. It would have been, uh, again, I'm not sure the line was there, but you'd have had to make a whole lot of, a lot of calls, uh, <laughs> during a day if there was social media, uh, back in the day. And if, it, you know, if there was a situation where, 
you know, uh, Clay Helton went down to traditions and had the whole media sitting down there. Like if Dan was there asking questions, soaking everything up, and then would spend a couple of days and write this eloquent story about the yarns that were being spun by Clay Helton and all this kind of stuff, you know, there would be an instant video. Someone would just put up his whole conversation like right away. And so, you know, it, it kind of takes away from some of that too. It's just, it's changed a lot. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean that, you know, Bud would go in there and, you know, have a bunch of drinks and, you know, maybe wake up hungover and not even start writing till the next day. But, he, you know, he would come up with some amazing stuff about these conversations he would have. It just seems like it's a different time. We wouldn't be able to do that today. No, not even, not even close. And the coaches wouldn't do it either. I mean, yeah. I mean, they may still be doing some of what uh, was going on with John McKay, but they're not going to let us see it. They're not yeah. going to let us anywhere near any of that. And, you know, they're not, they're not idiots. I mean, they're not, uh, they know what would happen. Uh, so, uh, I mean, you know, they're, uh, probably worried about like, uh, you know, I mean, you see some of these, um, oh, uh, I, I probably won't even go into it because I mean, some of these things that happen at, uh, at, uh, uh, conference media days in hotels where coaches don't realize the, uh, uh, that they have, you know, video, video cameras everywhere. And, uh, you know, you just, if you're a college football coach today, you better be careful. Yeah. You have, you have to be. It's a definitely a different age, but I would check out the book, the steamer. It's a really good one. Um, a lot of good history from like some of the heyday times of, uh, Los Angeles sports, how involved they would get it. Dan, there's, there were some similarities, not that you get involved as a reporter, but you had all these other jobs, you know, in sports, uh, you know, athletics before, uh, but like the steamer would be like, you know, he covered a lot of boxing, which I didn't really, you know, I'm not a big boxing fan or I don't, you know, follow that much. He ends up being like a corner man for one of the guys he was covering or, you know, it's like he was involved in like deals who were happening. It was really kind of strange thing. Well, I, I had a little bit of that before I actually became a sports writer. I was the, uh, was a, was a high school coach and I was a night stadium superintendent at Riverfront Stadium and got a friend a job as the uh, press box bartender. And the stories, you know, that he would tell about, uh, oh, let's say Harry Carey, uh, <laughs> Jack Buck, uh, and all, you know, this cruise of, of, you know, radio, TV guys and sports writers coming in. The Dodgers, for example, at, at that time when the Dodgers came in to play the Reds, they had seven full-time newspaper beat guys. Seven newspapers followed the Dodgers and traveled with them everywhere. So you had this you know, roving gang of, of guys who had a lot more time on their hands. So, uh, he had some, you know, absolutely wonderful stories about, uh, what life was like after the ball game. And uh, you'd get on the elevator, for example, behind the press box and guys would have like full, you know, uh, a six pack of, uh, of Budweiser that they were carrying home to drink on the way, drink on the way home. Uh, it was just, you couldn't do that today. Uh, your life depended, but you know it was not an unusual thing to see uh, you know broadcasters leaving with six packs that they were going to knock down on the way home. I mean, I don't know what the most amazing thing you said there was the words "press box bartender." Like, <laughs> though he was the bartender of the pre- like. Let's get a call to Tim Tesla. We need to make that happen. Uh, we've actually had a few, uh, it was a funny, I think a couple road trips, Stanford might have been one, and I think Washington last year where like the, the SID brought out like a 12 pack or so, a beer just to like, everyone could have a beer at the end of the night, like the press. So that was kind of nice. Right. I, uh, yeah. No, but yeah, that was a staple for, uh, that's just the way everybody did business and every press box, you know, had a, had a bar. Some of them had bartenders, some of them didn't, but yeah, it was. Because the Dodgers, like, the big deal was you could go in and they had self-serve, you know. Do you want <laughs> vanilla, chocolate, or do you want to, you know, swirl? But you could all, you could do it yourself. Well, there were places, you know, in the old days where you could, you know, fix yourself a drink, uh, which that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, but uh, it, it was, again, we, we keep saying this, it was a different world. Um, what I, 
this is a little aside. When I was in college, like one of my best friends was a big Cubs fan and, um, they used to, you know, talk about Harry Carey was still calling the games and everything before he passed away. And like the, I guess the saying was something along the line because he was like sponsored by Budweiser and he would have like a beer and inning. And he, there was some quote, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like, yeah, the games weren't bad except for the double headers, you know, <laughs> like, like having 18 beers while you're calling a game. Like that seems a little extreme. Oh, you remind me, I, when I was in Chicago, uh, I went to the last Cubs, uh, winter, whatever they called it, thing they had in the winter. And, uh, Harry Carey was there and I was excited because I had come from Philadelphia and I knew Mickey Morandini. And Mickey Morandini had just been traded for the, uh, from the Phillies to the Cubs. And I, I'm talking to Harry Carey and I said, I can't wait to, to hear you say Mickey Morandini because of the way Harry said things really neat. I mean, I loved the way he said things and I was looking forward to hearing him say Mickey Morandini. And Harry, <laughs> Harry thought I was saying that maybe he couldn't say Mickey Morandini. <laughs> so Harry's like, oh, I can say Mickey Morandini. And uh, two weeks later, Harry goes home to, he had a home in Palm Springs, basically. He lived in Palm Springs, and he dies. Like, the last thing I ever said to Harry Carey, he didn't take it the right way. I always felt bad about that, because oh. I really wanted, I positively wanted to hear him say it, because I thought it would be so neat to hear him say Mickey Morandini. But, uh, Harry was on the defensive about Mickey Morandini, unfortunately. Ah. Uh, I know. Uh, it was a bummer, a downer. But that's, uh, but Harry lived out in, in Palm Springs all that time and, uh, never came back, unfortunately. Yeah. Wow. All right. Um, let's move on. There's a little side note there. Um, we have Dan, who's, uh, class of 1962. He said, you mentioned in the podcast that USC is seeking its own identity as a football program. For many years, Marv Goo was the heart and soul of USC football. He was tough and passionate about USC. His passing left a void in terms of the character of the team. Who on this present staff that Marv Goo is that Marv Goo type of passion or has that Marv Goo type of passion to energize not only the players, but also the entire Trojan family. Clay Helton is a terrific leader, but I would not call him an energetic rah-rah type coach as uh, Coach Carroll was. There was uh, thanks always for your insights into all aspects of Trojan football. I think you'd be surprised. I think Clay is more that guy, becoming more that guy. I think that's kind of the natural guy. I just think, um, you know, it wasn't where he needed to be, uh, maybe to start out. But I think, I think, I think that guy is more Clay. I think this team reflects Clay's. Uh, values, Clay's, uh, personal values, his coaching values more than, uh, more than anybody. I mean, I did, and I think USC is USC. So you're not, you don't have to, I don't think, like infuse USC with, you know, some, uh, something from the outside. I just think you need to enhance it. And I, I think there always was a, a sense of the Trojan family. And I think, you know, Clay has just played into that because that's how he sees it. Um, I mean, I think the tough taskmasters are guys like, uh, uh, you know, Neil Calloway and, uh, Tanisha Udezi, which is probably where you'd like to have them. If you're going to have them, you want them, uh, the guys that are, uh, dealing with the guys up front. But neither of them are the Marv Goo, you know, really, you know, out there over the top kind of, um, just uh, wear their hearts on a, on their sleeve and just really, really, you know, you know, where they're coming from and what they're thinking and all that. Uh, but, uh, but I think, I think it's Clay. And I think it's always better when it, when it is, uh, is the head coach. He's, he is the voice. I mean, we always thought who will be the voice when Ed Orgeron is gone. And, uh, Clay has become the voice. He's the voice you hear on the field. So, uh, I wouldn't downplay Clay's ability to, uh, to fill that role. I think he's doing a, a pretty good job of that. Let's see. We got one from, uh, this is Golden Trojan. He said, am I the only one who never saw the quote unquote offensive genius of Kiffin or Sark as our head coach? Kiffin lost his job among other things by losing to Wazoo, 
with an absurd bubble screen fixation, and Sark's offense was all too often just a quote-unquote grab bag, as Dan liked to call it. I know you can't comment on specifics, but does the 2017 Helton offense look like it's going to have a real creative flow to it, or are we just going to rely on Sam's ability to make plays? Thanks for all you guys do. I think that's the key question of, of the year. That's the crucial, critical, uh, you know, do they really uh, uh, blend the, the run game with the, uh, with the pass game, with the talent they've got? Uh, for example, what happened last year was uh, the offensive line, uh, physical limitations in, in terms of quickness and, and speed, and Max Brown's uh, limitations, it all didn't go together. It just did not go together. And you needed it. You needed to have an offensive line that just could block the run like, you know, not, like nobody in the country. They had to be able to. They couldn't do that. Well, obviously, you know, it didn't help. They opened with, you know, Alabama and, and Stanford. Uh, that was that's probably not the way you, if you really have a, an offensive line, you're not quite sure they're athletic enough to, to get that done. But does this team put that all together, uh, you know, where the run game really complements the pass game, where the run game forces people to come up and defend, and the secondary forces them to go to man-to-man, gives you a chance to, to let Sam really, uh, you know, beat people and all of that. I think they've got a chance. I think they're moving in that direction. Uh, but the players have to make plays, and we'll see. You know, they didn't exactly make those plays, uh, at least uh, some of them didn't, uh, last Saturday. You know, a lot of that was, again, you know, they saw a really good defense. Uh, if I had to say right now which would I want, I'd want the defense to be the kind of, you know, Alabama-Stanford shutdown, we're not going to let you play, uh, see if you can beat us. Uh, if we don't let you play offense, but uh, but I do think uh, you know it, it's crucial that that they really get it together offensively, where they can take what the uh, what the defense gives them, and they can take it quickly and make quick decisions, and really get into that tempo game where they get you back on your heels and uh, and and just keep pushing you. Uh, but I think they've got a chance, and that's all you could ask at this point in time. Uh, we got one last question and then a topic from last week I want to bring up again. Um, we'll do the question first. Oscar from Irwindale. He said, question about NFL scouts. How does the process work in getting them onto campus and into practice? And who are they allowed to talk to and not talk to? Always been curious on how that whole process works. Thanks, guys. From Oscar. Well, it looks like they, they work uh, with, uh, boy, uh, they come in usually and they watch film. And they'll tell you who they want to watch film on. And USC provides it for them. USC has one of the uh, staff assistants to Clay works with the uh, the NFL guys. And then they, you know, usher them out uh, out to practice. And they're allowed inside the ropes. They usually don't talk to anybody other than if they know somebody on the USC staff, if they know a coach or whatever. They don't talk to the players. Uh, Sometimes they talk to one another. Sometimes they're, they're, you know, in different places looking for different things. But it's all prearranged where they tell you, uh, they're coming and, uh, USC makes it, you know, available to them, uh, whatever they need to see, whatever they need to look at, uh, and however they need to, you know, need to see practice. Uh, but they're very unobtrusive. I mean, they are, they just stay out of the way. They just want to see them in person after they've seen them on film. Uh, and it works extremely smoothly i mean it's just you know they're they're not in anybody's way and they're just uh you know some of them uh you know take more notes than others uh but uh uh yeah it's, it's just it's 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 no big deal it, it just they just uh come and, and do their thing and and move on yeah you don't see a lot of them and i i a lot of them end up leaving early. I'm not sure if they're allowed to stay till the end of practice. I think they're they're supposed to leave somewhat early, if I'm not mistaken. And I that the other day they did. And that, you're right. I that's been my observation. Now, and, and maybe it depends on you know starting time and if they're trying to go to UCLA or or whatever. But they usually do leave uh, before the end of practice. Uh, but the other day, a few of them stayed, but, uh, so, so I'm, I've never even asked that question. It's just, we normally see them leave a, a little before the end of practice. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, good question there. Hopefully that answers it. Like they're not, they're not a big part of 
you know, involved in stuff like Dan said. They're just kind of there and they're quiet and you'll see like a hat that says the Jets on it or something or a, a you know, a polo with says the Vikings and you just go, you know, move on. Um, okay. So we had a voicemail question last week that I didn't quite understand what they were asking about. And it was the, uh, about the radio broadcast, if you remember. I, I meant to bring this up at the beginning of the show. I apologize. I forgot, but, uh, we'll talk to you about it now. So hopefully you're listening to the whole show and you'll get to hear what we have to say on this. Um, but the, so basically what the caller was referring to, and we, I've got a bunch of emails about this following the show is about a product called live sports radio. So if you're in the Coliseum or some of the road games, what you could do is buy a little headset at the beginning of the season and you would get uh, a broadcast. So during the game, you could listen to the radio broadcast without uh, a delay. So if you just put a radio on in the, in the Coliseum, there's a seven or eight second delay. So, you know, USC scores a touchdown and you're hearing about it seven or eight seconds later. It's, it's kind of worthless to listen to the radio broadcast unless you want to catch some kind of news. You're not going to get the play by play because, you know, obviously there's the delay. So live sports radio would provide you the ability to listen to it live. So they would broadcast it just basically in the Coliseum. You could listen on your headphones. And to be fair, like I used to do it sometimes when we we're in the press box, Dan, I would put the headphones right. in and sometimes, you know, we would get announcements in the press box or someone would get hurt and you didn't hear it in the press box, but we would hear it on the broad, the radio broadcast. So it was kind of a good way to do that. Um, so I got a bunch of emails, Dan, I don't know if you've got some too, uh, following this, explaining what was going on. And I reached, reached out to a couple of USC spokespeople and got a couple different stories, but I think I've got the, the real scoop now. As some people had told me, um, that live sports, uh, radio was going out of business. And then I got an adamant email, uh, saying that was not true and got an email from someone at the live sports, uh, company. And they certainly said it was not true that they do a lot of different live sports broadcasts. The late, the latest USC spokesperson I talked to was saying, yeah, um, and this goes through the sports properties now. So uh, the athletic department's involved, but basically USC sports properties are the one that would sign the contract. They essentially, USC essentially decided not to renew the deal. So um, that's probably not going to make people happy, the people that like it, because it's a very popular product for the people that use it. Uh, I don't know the details, and I'll, I'll work on that, like what behind the deal, if people were asking for too much money or whatever, but... Uh, USC decided not to renew the deal. So that is my understanding. Um, it would still be available if uh, USC wants to, but as of now, they did not renew the deal. I don't know if you heard anything different, Dan, but that's what I've I heard. I've heard all that exactly as you have heard it. Uh, and I don't know what the sticking point is. And we do know the person who apparently is handling it. I haven't seen him since we found this information out, who is handling it for USC sports properties. And so... Uh, the next time we see him, which will be the next couple of days, I'm assuming, we'll try to find out, you know, is it, is it just not worth it? You know, they think, well, we're not making enough money out of this or, you know, or somebody else is making the money and we're not or whatever. Uh, but I think we need to hear what's the rationale for deciding, uh, that you don't want to go with this, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, how many fans or, or, now feeling like they're going to be inconvenienced or, you know, what's the upside of USC canceling this, this deal or not allowing this deal? Uh, you know, does it help the live broadcast, you know, on 710? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure of that, uh, because they're getting the same broadcast that so the advertisers are getting at least as much exposure. They're not getting, uh, not getting cheated out of the product. I, I don't know what the upside is for USC in allowing this to, to go away. And we need to, we need to find that out. No, no, I had heard that at least one member of the broadcast team was very disappointed that this was going away. So, um, at, yeah. le- at least on the broadcast team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 and a lot of fans are. So you would think there's a good reason to, uh, to be doing something that displeases a number of people. <laughs> hey, this is USC. So, so we're going to try to find out what is that reason. Uh, that USC would permit this to go away. And you know, if they're losing money or if somebody's making money, uh, you know, more money than maybe they should or whatever, but it, it seems like if the fans want to pay it, uh, that's between the fans and, and live stream. 
so that's my two cents. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a good answer as to why. Yeah. We'll try to get some more, but I just wanted to let people know. I mean, I, I didn't really, so he was saying on the, the voicemail, live sports radio, uh, or something like that. But we, I just was talking about like this, the broadcast, but this is very right. specific. It's the broadcast, but it's the non-delayed by a separate, uh, I mean, item. I've heard that there, the second element is that they, they, I mean, you know, you heard of 50,000 watt stations and, and what have you. I, they are, are like a one quarter watt. So they broadcast with just enough power to be heard in the stadium and nowhere else. But I, I have heard that maybe the FCC is being a little more strict on broadcasts like that. I don't know if that plays into it or not. Uh, it's sort of unregulated area because it's not like they're not really a radio station, so they don't have to, you know, and they, they broadcast on, a, on a, whatever it is on the dial. And, uh, you know, uh that may or may not play into it, but I have heard that the FCC has taken a different uh, approach to to these kinds of unregulated broadcasts. Yeah, that I, you know, if you're broadcasting, there's a FCC requirement that there's an eight second delay, but apparently, when you do these localized ones, uh, there is no uh, delay. So I know I'll, I'm going to try to reach out again. Um, I got an offer from someone from the company. Uh, the live sports radio company. So I'm going to try to reach out to her and, uh, and chat there and get some more information. Maybe we'll put something in the war room or something, but yeah, this a little disappointing, Dan, if this is like just a complete, you know, USC decision and maybe they didn't understand how popular it is. And, um, you know, the people that, that buy those things, they love it. And you know, I use it too. Yeah. I, I feel bad. I haven't used it the last couple of years, but I, I always like to do it. I think I just never, ran into someone to buy one, but they certainly were helpful, I thought. Yeah, I think that absolutely. Yeah, because the radio guys are told things that we aren't told in the press box. So, uh, so yeah, those people, you get a, you got a leg up if you got one of those. So, yeah, I wouldn't at all be, uh, you know, see why they wouldn't want to have them. I, I, I agree with them. I think they're a good thing. Yeah, um, we'll see. Yeah, that's, you know, a lot of times it's like the sideline reporter. Like, they'll have Jordan Moore down there on the sideline, and he can get something that the TV sideline reporter, like they're mostly getting, I don't know if they're getting information as much as they're getting stuff, you know, stuff they can put on TV. They, they're getting information too, but he's down there and, you know, Jordan's around the program all the time. So he knows, you know, if the backup, you know, fullback or something gets hurt, he can be on right. it and you get the information pretty quickly. I mean, I think the other factor here is uh, in stadium, uh, you're really having to compete now for fans in stadiums because the broadcast is so good, the TV picture is so good, Every, you know, the cameras, the, everything, the angles, all of that is so good that you're asking a lot of people to spend all that money for parking and tickets, and I would think you would try to do everything possible inside the stadium to make that experience as good as it possibly could be. And if for these people... Uh, you know, having the access to this live broadcast is one of those things. I'd make it happen for them. That's, I mean, it, you know, don't want to be taking away things from people in the stadium who are paying all that money to come to games. Yeah, that's a re- that's a really good point. So, well, I, I think I know what you're talking about. We'll uh, chat with. Yes. I, I believe I've already chatted with that person yesterday. If we're talking about the same person, we'll uh, yeah maybe see them out of practice and uh, and chat again. But um, yeah. Good stuff, Dan. And, uh, yeah, I think we got Thanks. a lot of stuff out of the way. So we'll, uh, <laughs> keep sending those questions in. We love them. Great questions. Good job, guys. Yeah. Thank you. All right, Dan. Well, we're going to go head off to practice. See you at practice. Yeah. See you over there. Thanks again. And, uh, we'll talk to you soon. And everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle podcast. And we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. 
Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 